Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Unleashing Possibilities podcast. This is Mark, and with me is Christy. Hello, mentors. Great to be back with you. And don't you just love the way that Mark starts these with hello? <laughs> I love it. The, the uh, voice, yes, I could get really deep mm-hmm. if I wanted to. All right, so today we are going to dive a little bit deeper into uh, a distinction that we kind of hint at during our retreats, but we really don't dive into this too deeply. And, um, and it's one that we explore in our workshops. And so um, we're going to dive into it a little bit more today. And the distinction is called the power of choice. I love this distinction, Mark, because it becomes in the work from the work that we've laid at retreat and now a little bit further into the workshops and the youth are starting to get the understanding of possibility of possibilities, try-ons, don't know, don't know, um, unconscious story, that at the center of every distinction is this concept of choice and the choice of how do I show up as my best self in this moment. So this is a little bit uh, more of an advanced distinction that having some foundation in other distinctions allows you to start to see the possibility of this one. So I'm excited to be bringing this to our matches, um, mentors and youth in the upcoming workshop, and excited to explore it with mentors today as a prelude to workshops so that mentors can hold more of that space when it comes into workshop with the youth. Absolutely. And so we always have these choice points, the opportunity to really respond intentionally in situations um, at any moment. And so I think about, you know, as a mentor, I have a choice at work when I look at the email that just came across, do I respond now or do I wait a little bit to respond? Um, When I'm on my way home, what am I going to do? Am I going to listen to a podcast? Am I going to listen to the music? Am I going to sit in silence? Am I going to notice the beauty around me? Um, What am I going to eat for dinner? What am I going to eat for breakfast? Um, I got really triggered by a text from my significant other or a friend. Do I respond right now while I'm full full of emotion or do I wait? So there's choice points around us all the time. What this distinction really helps us begin to understand is that there are choice points that we don't always see. Or we feel like life is happening to us, and we therefore can't choose how we respond. But the power of choice is a distinction that helps us begin to recognize that we can respond to life experiences in any moment. And how we respond, for the most part in a free society, how we respond is up to us, and that we in fact do have a choice. How we choose to act is a choice, but also choosing not to act is a choice. And what is required in understanding the power of choice is consciousness, or as we like to say with our youth, it's the waking up, it's being woke. And so how awake can I be to the choices that are in front of me? How conscious can I be of them? And when that happens, then possibility of possibilities become available. So let's explore for a moment then um, what limits our choice points. And I've, uh, re- I've pointed to one of those already. It's being asleep to life. It's being um, uh, just going through life more passively and less consciously that we're not able to see all of the points that we can choose, 
how to respond or how to be in life um, and be our best self in that moment. But there's some other things that can get in the way and keep us asleep to choice points. And one of those is the idea of attachment and detachment. Would you explain those to us? Yeah. So when we think about attachment, it's we're fixated on something going a certain way. And so feeling like, you know, this has to go my way. Um, but we become, we become so fixed, so attached to how things should go or how we want them to go. Um, that we really limit the possibility to see anything else possible. We don't see the other options that are right there. It's just, this is the direction, this is the path, and I'm fixated on it. I'm stuck. I'm locked. Yeah. I'm, I was thinking about this last last evening around, um, it was my husband's birthday, and we'd gone out to dinner, and um, we were going to split dessert for his birthday because neither of us needed a full dessert. And in my mind, I was fixated on chocolate. I so wanted chocolate for dessert, but it was his birthday. And I had given up my choice point for dessert and said, it's your birthday. You decide what dessert we're having. But in my mind, I was like, please let him pick chocolate. Please (laughs) let him pick chocolate. And I had to surrender in that moment and say, whatever dessert he picks, I choose to like it because it's his birthday and I want to enjoy it and not be disappointed over dessert so I can be in the joy of being in the moment with him. That's what attachment does to us. We get so fixated on something the way we want something to go or some want or desire that we have, we lose the ability to be in the moment and all of the beauty of the moment. So I do this in mentoring as well. I have a beautiful outing planned with my mentee that I'm just so excited about that I just absolutely can't wait for. And then she shows up and there's stuff happening in her life. And she's in a different state than I anticipated she'd be in for us to enjoy this outing or activity that I, th- that I imagine going a certain way. And the disappointment sets in for me, and then I start shutting down. And I'm not able to be in the moment with her where she is to choose to be a light in her life instead of have my need met by her. Um, so I get attached to an outing going a certain way. I get attached to her showing up a certain way. So when I'm so attached to that or fixated on that, I can't accept what is. And when I can accept what is, then I can actually choose how I'm going to be in it. Hmm. Yeah. Great From word. dessert to mentoring. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, so that's, that's great examples of how we can be attached in different situations. And, you know, we can also go to the other extreme and be detached. And we kind of show up in a space, whether it's with our mentor or wherever, where we, we think, you know, I just, I don't care. I don't really care what happens, what the possibilities are. Um, so it's just this attitude of I'm going to disengage, I'm going to stand back, and I'm not even going to think about what are the choices from here, what, what can I do in this moment. Um, and so that's not very beneficial either because then I, I'm limiting myself from even seeing what is possible for me right here. What could I choose to do, but I'm just taking a hands-off approach. This makes me think of the workshop we held recently around armors and the armor of going along to get along, and this idea of detachment as what limits our choice points um, is very akin to the armor of going along to get along. So I just show up and it's like, oh, whatever, and I give up all of my power to choose, and that's um, also not beneficial, especially in mentoring when we think, 
oh, you know, my youth has this going on and that going on, so I'm just going to go along. Whenever they decide that they're ready to do the work, I'll do it with them. And that detachment, um, that I don't care attitude, gives up our choice point again to be a light in this person's life. Um, so we don't have to be so attached to the outcome, but we also, the opposite, the, the, the kind of seemingly polarization of that is the detachment. And neither of those are the extremes that we want to be on. Yes. And so we have to be mindful of this as mentors and also look at it in our youth. Where might they be attached to an outcome or where might they be detached as well and showing up in that I don't care way? Yeah. And so there's another concept here or another um, perspective that gets in the way of our ability to choose, but also might be indicating whether we're showing up as attached or detached. And that's our mood. Our mood. And so, you know, you ask somebody what's their mood, you can get really an array of responses. And um, through our partnership with New Ventures West, you know, we've really gotten some clarity around mood and how it's kind of distinct from emotions. Because a lot of times when you ask somebody what their mood is, they might share how they're feeling in that moment from an emotional standpoint. So I think in this concept of the power of choice, what we want to help bring a deeper awareness to in our mentors is mood and emotions are not the same. Um, the analogy we, we use internally here is mood is like the climate. So we live here in a desert climate, a dry climate. Um, and the emotion is more of what's the feeling in the moment. So it might be what's the weather today. So the weather today, even though we live in a climate of a desert, the weather today might actually be cloudy and rainy. So one is more constant and one is more changing. So mood is more of my, what's my constant state of my experience and being in the world? And the emotion might be what's happening for me in this moment, um, like the weather is happening just for today. And so this is a uh, element that can limit our ability to have choice points because if I'm constantly of a mood of being in poverty and adversity, which can bring about moods of feeling um, oppressed, feeling disempowered, feeling um, uh, powerless, if that's my overall mood, that limits my ability to see my choice points. By the same token, if I come from a background that's more um, affluent or middle class and I've always been able to uh, take action and bring about creating what I want in my life because of the privilege and possibilities that I have from that particular um, socioeconomic status um, or whatever that may be, then I may not, I may have a mood of optimism that I can't connect with or see in my youth the mood of powerlessness. And so these two moods start to shape what possibilities, what choice points we actually see for our life. And it's a consciousness we need to be bringing as mentors um, to understand what may be happening with our youth in that broader context of when we are just asking, well, why don't they choose this? They may not see it from their mood perspective. Yeah, and you know, you hit on so many things that remind me back to a framework for understanding poverty training and about how just how we grow up in terms of class can impact kind of our view of the world as well too. And so in poverty 
strong belief in fate, that things are just the way they are, things can't change. And so that falls into that sense of, kind of said, powerless. I, I can't change my environment. I can't change my situation. Where again, middle class, upper class um, tend to see possibility, tend to see choice, tend to see they can influence um, their destiny. And so, you know, I think about, yeah, there could be a little bit of that dynamic, or for sure that dynamic in a mentoring relationship between a mentor and a youth. Um, and how I might be stepping in from a place of maybe power where I can see that I have control and my youth feels powerless, um, but I'm not really meeting them where they're at or helping to bring them to where I see possibilities that they may not or they may not be seeing. So if attachment, detachment, and mood are three things that can limit my ability to see choice, um, what then might be some of those things that we can lean into for the power of choice? So like we said, if we're attached, um, we've gone to one extreme. If we go to detached, we've gone to the other. So how do we get to a place of non-attachment? So it's really the road in between. And it really begins by noticing what am I trying to grasp at? What am I fixated on? Or what might I be trying to push away or avoiding? Again, those armors coming up. And so through this non-attachment, it really opens up space so that we can can care and really be present and stay connected to what we want while not being so attached to a specific way that something or someone has to be. So we really are open to any and all possibilities, any choices, any options that are right here, right now. But by that non-attachment, I can see them, I can be with them, I can allow them to surface and experience them. What comes to mind for me as you're explaining this idea of non-attachment as distinct from attachment and detachment, it feels more in the middle of the road, as you said, um, but it, the word that keeps coming up for me is presence. It requires me to be really present in this moment to say, what is here now and what would I choose from this point now? Not my attachment to a future desired state, not my detachment from what's really happening, but my presence in it to say, what is really here now and what is here for me to act forward from, from this particular spot? So as mentors, I think this relates to all of life, all of our relationships, um, whether our work relationships, our significant other relationships, our family relationships. It's just a way of being that enhances our life. And at New Pathways, we're calling particular attention to it and being with our youth so that they can feel seen. So, you know, um, just yesterday I um, had a beautiful opportunity to meet up with my youth and... Um, He's, he's gotten into a little bit of trouble uh, recently, actually some, some pretty big trouble recently um, with the law. And um, he called me and, and asked to see me, and I hadn't spoken to him in about a week. And so we met up, and um, you know, I really tried to step into the space of non-attachment. I um, wasn't going to be attached on like, oh, we're going to try to fix things and work through things. And I wasn't so de- detached that it was, or I really don't really care what the choices are. But I just said, you know, I just want to be with him and just see him and just um, let him know that I love him and care about him. And um, it was actually one of the most beautiful experiences that I've ever had with him. Um, we cried together. Um, I shared um, just how how proud I was and just the human being that he was and that I see all of this greatness in him. Um, and 
it was the first time that he actually just stood up and walked right over to me and gave me just the biggest hug, unprovoked. Usually I'm the one doing that. Um, and he just said, thank you. Um, and so it just it felt really genuine, and I felt really connected to him in that moment. And so it was by stepping into the space of non-attachment, not being fixated on a certain outcome or how that, that experience was going to go, but just allowing whatever was there to show up. Um, and through that, we were able to start to see some possibilities from there. And so um, the, t- the two hours flew by f- super fast, uh, but he walked away with some clear next steps. And, um, and I asked him after, you know, how he felt, and he said, I feel so much better. Um, and, uh, and that was great. And so uh, it helped put a little bit more grounding under him to help him move forward. Uh, but it did, it did require me just to be in that space of, of non-attachment. What what's coming up for me, Mark, as you describe this, is attachment allow non-attachment allows authentic connection. It allows us to be in the moment with the other person, to see and be seen without any expectation, um, and from there we get to create together, and allows that creator space to come in um, from the empowerment dynamic to really ask, what is it you want? If, I, if you had gone in with your list of things of here's what we can do to fix this situation, more than likely he would have felt really unseen. And the connection that you described that um, had the opportunity to bloom and blossom in your time with him um, really came forward by not being attached to anything other than being in his presence. And from there, it sounds like there was a beautiful trust in what needs to come from here will come from here. I think so many times we're conditioned in our society that if we don't have the to-do list and if we don't go in with the to-do list, that it's unproductive and things aren't going to change and they're always going to be the same. And this invitation of non-attachment is, how do we go in, get really present, be an authentic connection, really hear, listen, see the other person, really hear, listen, what's happening for myself, and how we can bring that to the table and create something way more powerful than our predetermined to-do list would have ever allowed possible. Yeah, and I would just share the last thing is that I think what I would hope mentors would find and what I found is that it's actually easier to step in that way, right? It's when we're attached and fixated that that's when it doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel natural, that we get resistance from the other person or something just feels off or the conflict starts. Right? But if I can just let go and be present, it will emerge. What The next steps start to show up, right? We start to be in that explorative, curious space. And so, like I said, that those two hours flew by so quickly, and I walked away feeling really great about where we were going next, and he did too. And so how do we let go? So understanding the, the mood, I'm, I'm guessing, just knowing you, had something to do with how you were able to be with him so that he could see what power he did have in the situation. So this, this again, mood is not something that's easily changed or that we're setting out as mentors to change. It's just something we're setting out to be aware of in this practice of non-attachment, that there may be differing moods that I hold uh, as the mentor than my youth holds based on their experiences and our structures of interpretation of the world. And so really it's what what why we bring attention to mood in this conversation is that we want to be aware as mentors that it can limit what power our youth perceives they have over their sense of choice 
And so how can we have a conversation that help our youth see their skills, see their strengths, um, see what the task is at hand without having to fix it or do something about it, but just to bring consciousness, awareness to it so that they can actually begin to see that they have different choice points than perhaps their mood lets them see. So the goal here isn't about changing mood. It's about acknowledging a mood exists And therefore, as the mentor, how do I bring light to the possibilities that the mood may not, that the mood actually may be putting a darkness on? Mm -hmm. So what are some additional ways that we can lean into power of choice? So we can also um, honor that, you know, these choice points that are in front of us are a gift. It's a beautiful opportunity to step into something new, just to, to experience something new. We can also hit, you know, the pause button, slow down, take a few deep breaths, and really self-regulate. Just say, oh, let me just calm my nervous system down so I can really be open and receptive to what's here and not triggered and focused internally on just what's going on with me, or even not focused on what's going on because I'm just so, so in such a high emotional state. And then take a moment to notice, am I fixated on something? Am I locked into that attachment? Or have I gone the other extreme and have that I don't care attitude and I'm detached? And how can I shift myself or open myself up to a space of being non-attached and really being present? Mentors, you've heard Mark and I say many times over, this is hard work and it's going to trigger every um, response from us as human beings, as mentors, the, the mentoring journey will on all extremes. And so I think this invitation to help us as mentors recognize we have a power of choice in every interaction we have with our youth of whether to um, be too attached or be too detached and this opportunity of stepping into non-attachment. And um, I would just add some of the other ways that we can help ourselves and our youth lean into power of choice is celebrate the progress of ourselves as mentors You know, sometimes, um, Mark, I think what you brought to us today is celebrating that you had the ability to be in non-attachment and all of the work that you're doing here in our own curriculum is opening more of that space for you. So mentors, celebrating that in yourself and also celebrating that in your youth opens up more powers of choice um, because we see see it and we become more awake to it, awoke to it. And then one of the other tactics of of being in the power of choice is to visualize it, to um, do some imagery or imagining with our youth, what if you could choose that? Um, When we lock ourselves into thinking that we don't have a choice or we can't make that choice, really what we're saying is, I choose not to make that choice. So what would happen if we imagined making every possible choice and could embody it, then what truth might come? that we would know where we wanted to lean in and where not to. Yeah, so it's through that visualization that we can actually see it. And mm-hmm. if we can see it, then I can actually move toward it, towards it. So so much more we can unpack about the power of choice, in which we will do at workshop with our youth and mentors together. Um, but for today, what's our call to action for mentors after listening to this podcast, Mark? Yeah, so as we jumped into mood, we invite you mentors to really think about your own mood when you think about um, as a mentor or just in the various spaces that I inhabit, whether it's work or at home. But what is the way that the world shows up at you? How would you describe your internal climate um, and how you are? And then do the same for your youth. Try to try to think about you know where, how they're living and their environment, what's present for them. What's their mood? How would you 
assess that? What would that look like? You can even have a great conversation with your youth around it. One of the other calls to action for our mentors is to reflect on the power that you do see within your youth, um, especially the strengths you see them relying on when they feel that their choices are limited, and then tell them what you see. Remember, part of our work as mentors is seeing their possibilities until they can choose or uh, have the capacity to see them for themselves. So don't just reflect on it, but then remind them of the strengths that you see in them. Yeah, and do that for yourself as well. Think about Mm -hmm. the power that you have within. Um, What are the strengths that you can lean on when you feel maybe limited in your power of choice as well too? And so I know in my mentoring relationship, there have been multiple times that that's happened. Um, So how can you remind yourself that you do have some strong capabilities in there that you can rely on? What are those? And then, of course, our last call to action, as with every podcast, is have a conversation with your program coordinator this month about how this distinction of power of choice is showing up for you as the mentor and either creating or limiting your possibilities in mentorship and how you see the power of choice showing up in your match and for your youth to unpack that a little bit further specific to your work um, and the work of your youth in relationship to your goals. And we know that you definitely have the choice about how you spend your own time. And so thank you for spending the time listening to Christy and I and getting some additional deeper understanding of our program and how you can support your youth. So thank you for being unstoppable on this journey. So with that, thank you again. And until next time, keep unleashing possibilities.